This is an AI Group podcast. Welcome to this AI Group podcast, Overcoming Digital Burnout in the Workplace. My name is Grant Cleary and I am National Marketing Manager here at AI Group. My guests today are Trinette Jeske and Vanessa McCamley. Vanessa is Principal Consultant and Founder of Link Success and she specialises in learning and development and unlocking an organisation's greatest assets, that is their people's brains. And Trinette is National Manager, Safety and Workers Consulting Services here at AI Group. Great to have you both here. Vanessa, I'd like to start with you. And the subject of digital addictions, I heard you say recently that we are living on a diet of immediacy and are overwhelmed with information. And I guess just like any addiction, digital addiction can disrupt our lives and impact our ability to think clearly and affect our productivity and even our sleep. Uh, And there's a growing body of research to suggest that digital addiction is impacting our mental health as well and leading to increases in things like anxiety and depression. So tell me, why are we so addicted to our digital devices? Grant, great question. Firstly, I'd like to just point out, to make my position very clear, I come from 20 years working in the IT industry, similar to you, Grant. Uh, And I want to just point out there are many benefits to this amazing digital age that we're living in, in terms of what technology can do for us, including the advances in neuroscience. We've learnt more about the brain in the last 10 to 15 years because of technology advances than what we did 400 years before, which is amazing. Um, Though there are some implications that we need to be aware of from both a self-leadership perspective and leadership perspective that we need to be mindful about how we balance our time, effort and return. So you talked about some of the research. I'd love to reference some of the research first. So what the research is showing us that we now have a drop in attention spans down from 12 seconds to eight seconds. That is less than a goldfish. Just want to point that out. (laughs) (laughs) An increase in rates of digital dementia through heavy digital use and the devastating effects on attention and cognitive abilities. We have a decrease in coding from short-term memory to long-term memory. And this is a problem for us in the business world from how we make decisions, how we problem solve, and how we draw from our experience. And this also is a challenge with artificial intelligence coming into the picture as well with taking over a lot of the doing task. So our long-term memory is really important. Then we have an obsession with multitasking leading to a crisis in productivity. Then we have increasing rates of stress and psychological distress um, that is impacting our performance. Uh, Growth targets are high and for years organisations have expected their workers to do more with less and achieve continuous results against a backdrop of constant change and increasing complexity. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the term, you know, multitasking because we're, we're all familiar with this and I guess most of us in our jobs, we're required to juggle multiple tasks and do multiple things at once. But it, it seems to be that digital devices just compounds that and just makes it even harder for us to focus on one specific task at a time. And, we're, we, you know, we're so easily distracted now. Uh, Trinette, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective because I know that you're 
you're very involved in the workplace and you know how are people burning out how are you seeing people adversely affected digitally especially when it comes to work well it's interesting um you mentioned before about some research around people multitasking i was actually uh, reading a study by professor markowitz the other day and he was actually looking at analyzing behavior of about i think it was about sixty thousand mobile phone users and they found that on average we spend about three hours each day on our smartphones or devices. So that means that we're literally picking up our device about 55 times a day, which is astonishing. So not only that, but we're also um, often distracted and fail to concentrate on what we're doing. So we're exposed to a huge amount of information on our devices all the time. Um, we've got notifications popping up, um, and this is happening in the workplace as well, where many of us are finding it really difficult to filter the information that's coming to us. Um, and we're finding it difficult to work out what's important and what's not. Um, so every interruption from any email or any message is really a distraction of, about what takes us away from what we're doing right now. So we're finding ourselves having to be continuously contactable and we're placing ourselves under pressure, which is resulting in this stress that we're seeing in the workplace. Um, and it's really dangerous for our health and well-being. Yeah. Um, if I can just give you an example of, of that happening. I just was in a meeting the other day um, and there were about 14 people in that meeting. Um, eight out of those 14 people were fully engaged in texting, typing, reading messages, all during that meeting. Now, our brains aren't designed to multitask and it takes our, our brains time to focus on a task and concentrate so during the meeting, I was concerned for a couple of reasons. The very first one was, well, people aren't paying full attention to what's going on in the meeting. But secondly, they're not able to translate the information in the meeting back into their work, uh, which will then later on result in stress because they're not able to do their job properly. So I was really actually worried about the health and wellbeing. Um, and this happens everywhere. So unless you've actually got some really good protocols in place within your business, um, this type of thing will actually happen and it will lead to stress and, and burnout. Yeah, I think you made some really good points here. That's a that's a, a great illustration. Many of us have been to meetings and seen people totally distracted by digital devices instead of listening to um, listening to what's going on in the meeting. And I wonder how shorter that meeting could have been if people were fully focused and could achieve the outcomes and just get out of there and back onto their digital devices after the meeting. Yeah, and Grant, and Grant, can I jump in on that? So with some of my clients, that's one of the strategies that we have done is that when we set up meetings is that depending on what type of company it is or how people record information, obviously for some companies in tech, for example, then they record a lot of their notes and everything on the device. But one of the things, a couple of strategies that I do with some of our clients is a before we start the meeting, we give everyone one minute to write down anything that's on their mind or to finish off anything that they were finishing off because a lot of people are going from back-to-back -back meetings, this continuous cycle. So it just gives everyone to get everything dumped out in one minute, what's on their mind, so that they can then focus on that meeting ahead. Some companies decide that they don't want any digital devices in that meeting. Um, but then that's challenging for those who record their notes and actions and from an efficiency perspective. So you just got to, there's no one rule fits all because no two brains or no two organisations are the same. But these are some tips that seem to be working well for some of our leading clients. Yeah, great. And, and Trinette, um, are you seeing 
organisations implementing tighter policies or putting in place staff training to set the expectations around the use of digital devices? Yeah, absolutely. I guess we've got our digital devices, which are our mobile phones, but I also see another issue before we sort of get into that sort of area um, where it's sort of like a hidden um, sort of digital evolution and technology issue within the workplace, and it's particularly prevalent in manufacturing. Um, we've got, we're using digital devices to manage our safety management systems and recording incidents and workplace inspections, and all of these type of systems are actually encouraging us to use our devices in the workplace, which then shoot off emails with um, actions to managers and supervisors and other workers, and people are getting bombarded with information related to their work activities as well. But beyond that, we're also getting more mature within our workplaces and um, we're heading into the industry 4.0 space where we're starting to look at automation, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning. So there's issues there around having lots of different systems which we're having to be able to put in information where there's little integration between those systems and our people aren't having the skills or, or they, they don't have the ability to manage the change with all of that to deal with all of those systems. But it's also, with all these new technologies, we're also finding out that health and wellbeing of people are being affected because we're actually automating things more. There's less people in the workplace, um, which means that we're, we're losing that connectedness between um, the staff that would normally be working together and it's causing isolation and loneliness. So all of this digital stuff that's going on is actually causing stress in lots of different aspects. So it's actually a really complex issue. Trinette, there are some workplace environments where using digital devices is simply not safe. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, well, you've got the obvious ones where you're, we all know that we shouldn't be looking at our devices while we're driving. And, and certainly in the workplace, any high-risk work plant like your forklifts and your trucks will provide the risk where if you are, your device is going off, that you will tend to have lack of concentration. Um, and we're terrible at multitasking as human beings, and it's not a natural thing for our brains to be accustomed to. So the driver distraction is present in any vehicle operation. Um, and we know that glancing away from the road for more than two seconds significantly increases the risk of crashing. And reaching for an electronic device increases the risk of crashing by more than sixfold. Um, and it's seen as a comparison of uh, a, a blood alcohol level of 0.08% if you are being impaired by touching your mobile phone while driving. So it's, it's quite a, a big risk. Um, but we also know that mobile phones can be distractions in warehousing environments. Um, I've recently been dealing with a member where they've got issues with people talking on their phones in the warehouse. So in a warehouse, you've got traffic coming in and out, you've got forklifts buzzing around, and workers need to be focused on, their, on what they're doing rather than talking on their phone. And I've seen some near misses where people have nearly been struck by forklifts. The traffic management is actually a really big issue at the moment in a lot of workplaces, and I know the regulators in all states are focusing on that. So it's certainly something that needs to be addressed. But there's also the not-so-obvious hazards when you're dealing with digital devices. Um, you could end up with having a worker who's working in a, an environment such as construction or manufacturing. Uh, they might be a dogman who's supervising a load that's been lifted by a crane, 
if they're being distracted by uh, what's going on on their phone, um, that can actually lead some, to some really serious injuries and consequences because they're not aware of what's going on around them. So digital devices are having a huge big impact, uh, particularly with our members. And I, I know that there was a member just recently who had to discipline one of their spotters um, or one of their supervisors of a confined space entry because they were distracted by a phone. Um, and there could have been some serious consequences of someone um, actually are dying or there being a fatality in a confined space because of that. So we need to be really careful. So I guess this comes back to organisations ensuring that they have the right training and the right policies in place to protect their team members as well, right? Absolutely. So when we're looking at anything around burnout, stress, depression, anxiety disorders, the World Health Organisation has some great ideas. Um, and that they focus a lot on health and safety policies and making sure you've got really good communication and management practices. But I also think what we can do is we can think about our culture within our businesses. So we look internally, ensure that our teams and our people um, understand what our values are in the, in the business and look at the behaviours which we want to emulate. So we need to understand the needs of individuals within our teams and find out what's acceptable. So, for example, if we want people to know in team meetings that we are focused and mindful in the present moment, then that's what we should be practising um, and we shouldn't be responding to any emails or using our digital devices in meetings if that's at all possible. Um, we, we should be engaging everybody with any technology changes. So if we are going to be putting in any artificial intelligence or robotics, then we've got to get people involved. So consulting with people can help identify issues before they arise um, I know that there's been a whole heap of virtual reality that's been put into workplaces um, or in particular training organisations where they're uh, training people in high-risk work environments but using virtual reality rather than throwing people into those high-risk tasks straight away. Now, if you don't identify the hazards with that technology and it's been proven that some people get motion sickness when they're actually using that, then that can actually cause um, a great amount of exposure to people in times of training and can increase the stress when their people are being or learning new things. So there's lots of different things. Um, even Vanessa mentioned before thinking about um, being present in the moment. Um, we've been helping our members with uh, mindfulness workshops and meditation as well because being in the present moment can actually help you to uh, be intentional with what you're doing right now and what you're wanting to focus on and that's been incredibly beneficial so bringing a holistic approach i have a i have a question for both of you i'd like to start with you vanessa many organizations talk about the importance of work-life balance of having downtime outside of your nine to five if the nine to five still exists and so forth and it seems to me that digital addiction may be adversely impacting that work-life balance what are your thoughts on that well even the research that I was referring to earlier is that it talks about that work-life balance is what, what the workforce in Australia is saying is their number one priority. And so because there is no such thing in most industries these days as nine to five, um, it's 24-7, this is having an impact on our sleep, on our diet, on how we function. Things to note from a research perspective is that People, when, when they do their best thinking, 70% um, of people have a morning brain, 20% have 
an afternoon brain and approximately 10% have an, a brain that works the best at night. So the great thing about technology is we have the ability and depending on your organization philosophy, we have the ability to be able to be more flexible, but it's about, I think, teaching from a self-leadership perspective, what are your boundaries <laughs> as a person? What, what are you, what's going to work for you? Where do you add the most value? Um, knowing where you add the most value and how can you continue to develop that value for yourself and for your organization and how do you set yourself up for success? So from the research that I've seen is it's really important to understand where you do your best thinking. Where do you do that deep thinking? Where do you add the most value in a day so that you can protect that time um, and minimize the distractions? And also communicate that with other people that you work with so that they know that you're not just ignoring them, but you're actually doing some of your deep thinking or your deep work. Mm, so this requires uh, self-awareness as well as self-discipline. Yeah, this is really about self-leadership. I'm encouraging not just organisations from a leadership perspective, but also from an individual to self-lead. Understand where does your brain do its best thinking? Where do you add the most value? Where's your why, um, your purpose? And how can you make the biggest difference in, in pockets of time and then protect that time throughout the day um, so that you can do your best work? and so that you can be in peak performance for longer periods of time and for quality um, quality sprints, I like to call it. Shredette, do you have any more thoughts on work-life balance? Well, I guess the lines between work and home life are now really blurred, particularly with mobile devices. And for me, I always think of our future workers. So I think of our kids and I think about um, – the impact of us using our mobile technology and being live and working all the time outside of work and our children actually seeing us being um, in that position. Um, so I was actually having a, a chat with one of my friends the other day and um, he was actually catching up on his emails while he was watching his son play football. And his son had begun to actually realise that his father wasn't watching him and he was starting to play up and, and all of that. And it actually did cause a few uh, relationship issues. But his son also um, ended up going and being on his digital devices at home constantly. It was becoming a real big issue where um, it, this guy wasn't able to manage that digital time with his son because his son came back and said, what do you care? You're always on your phone anyway. So I'm thinking about this whole addiction process and, and how this is actually impacting not only the existing workers in the workforce, but also these generations that are coming through um, that are young that we need to be able to set examples for. So I, I think there's um, that that we need to think about. I think you've made a really good point, and that's, and that's setting the example. And, you know, we should be setting the example with our future workforce who are our, our children. But I think it's also leading by example and setting the right example in the workplace as well. If our leaders and managers... Um, are on their devices during meetings, for example, um, then then why wouldn't the rest of us be? Because that's clearly how we do things around here. So, yeah, I, th I think that part of leadership and, and setting the right example and doing the right thing is, is really, really important when it comes to this. I saw a study recently that employees 
babies suffering from excessive stress and anxiety about work expectations, even when they don't actively check work emails after hours. So this is interesting. The mere expectation of being in contact 24-7 is enough to increase strain and anxiety for employees and their families. And what's happening is that there's a growing number of countries and organisations that are endorsing a right to disconnect law to create boundaries between work and home. France and Germany, for example, have introduced laws around this. And some organisations have even set their systems to not send emails to their staff after hours. So outside of those work hours, you know, maybe it's 8am to 6pm, Outside of that, the servers will not send emails to their staff, so they're not tempted to look at the email, and they can focus on spending time with their family and spending time on their work-life balance. So do you think we should be considering more of this type of thing in Australia? Trinette, I'll start with you. Well, I think there's two sides of the coin. We've got, we've got to be able to take leadership ourselves with behaviour, but we also need to be able to have some boundaries. Um, so we do need to be able to, psychological health is really important, so we need to do something and we can't wait for laws to be able to tell us what to do. So I think there's two things that we need to do. We need to look at it from a business. So setting email systems and all of that internally within a business is a great idea um, and it will make a bit of a difference. Um, even if you personally set notifications for emails to go off at 9 9 a.m. in the morning, um, would be a great thing to be able to do. But we also need to make sure that everybody has the right to be unreachable at times as well. Um, we also need to think about managers and supervisors recognising warning signs or, or red flags for themselves and their um, employees because we need to be able to provide support if we do see that. Um, setting expectations as well uh, outside of business hours and giving timeframes that are unreasonable unre to complete within normal working hours, we've got to address issues like that um, and making sure that we've got workshops that can promote mindfulness and meditation so people know that they can be present um, in the moment rather than feeling like they're reactive all the time. So there's things around the business that we can do, but personally we also need to be able to take control um, and we need to train our um, teams to be able to identify exactly how they can do that. So workshopping would be a perfect way to be able to uh, come up with strategies where we can personally opt out of information that we don't need. So we're not getting those pings of information always with new newsletters that you feel like you have to read or um, think about unfollowing pages on social media that don't relate to you anymore or deleting emails that you or unsubscribing. Um, spending less time online, disconnecting after 8 o'clock um, every day, uh, removing those false urgencies like your notifications or putting a phone in a drawer and scheduling time to check it during the day, all those things you can personally do. So I do think it's a bit of both. Um, I th don't think you can just rely on the laws to create boundaries, but I think we need to be able to address it from both angles. In addition, I think from a strategies perspective from I'm harnessing the word self-leadership today because I really want to encourage each individual to be able to know exactly, again, what, what can you do to influence and make a difference? How can you increase your influence? Um, like be conscious of if you work at night and you do your best thinking and you do, if you fit into that, maybe that 10% of an evening that has the best thinking of their brain, which is your prefrontal cortex, then 
That's great, but hold those emails and don't send them till the next morning. Have them automated that they get sent, like you said, Trinette, at nine o'clock maybe the next morning. I think we have to also be responsible as individuals to go, what is the best for not just getting my work done, but also what's the impact on the people that I am sending this communication to and how is it impacting them from a threat state and a reward state? Because we know from research that when people are in a reward state, they're more likely to have those uh, hits of dopamine, which is the brain's happy drug, uh, which puts them in a positive state, which makes them perform um, a huge amount more than when you're in a threat state and you're constantly coming in, you've got this barge of emails or, or constant information being thrown at you all the time. This is the digital age of we're dealing with and digesting so much information that it's frying our brain. Yeah, I was, and I'm fascinated by those stats that you mentioned earlier, you know, the 70, 30, 10, because, you know, um, if, if, if people can only give 10% of their best in the evenings, it seems to me that that's somewhat contradictory because a lot of people are catching up on work in the evenings and doing work, uh, which is not necessarily the right time for them to be doing it, and then it impacts on their work-life balance it impacts on their anxiety levels, their sleep levels, time with family, all of these things. So it's a being aware of our team members and, and those people that we work with and where their most productive and optimal times are. Um, as I prepared for this podcast, I googled the term FOMO, which is, of course, an acronym for fear of missing out. And I learned that this term was actually coined way back in the year 2000, which is you know, almost 20 years ago, but it probably took several years to catch on. And many of us will be familiar with the term. We use it regularly and our kids will, will use the term and it probably relates a lot to social media and so forth. But Vanessa, do you think some of our workplace digital addiction behaviours stem from this term or this concept of FOMO? Absolutely, because I think... This is such a competitive place, workplace that we're living in. And because change is becoming the norm, which the brain doesn't like, this lack of certainty that we're constantly living in um, frightens the brain. So this whole concept of fear of missing out or fear of being left out or fear that we don't know the information in meetings, it's also got to do with our brain is very much a social organ and loves to connect um, with people, with an organisation and add value. I really believe most people want to add value. And if they feel like they don't know what's going on or someone said, oh, did you see see such and such or did you see that notification and blah, blah, and someone says no, they're worried that they feel like they're being missed out or they're not in the loop or they're not on their, uh, on their game. So I think from a psychological perspective, that this is a behaviour I'm seeing more and more increase, which means that we're constantly ensuring that we know what's going on and checking our devices um, at all different times throughout the day. And Trinette, I'm interested in your perspectives on this concept of FOMO and is it relevant for the workplace? Are you seeing this? Uh, is this part of the problem? Yeah, I think it is a bit of a problem um, and I think one way we can probably overcome it is to really look at our change management strategies. 
uh, people feel like they're missing out on information because workplaces are not necessarily as transparent as they wish it to be. So if we looked at our change management processes when we're introducing new software, introducing new um, activities within the workplace uh, and communicating appropriately in lots of different ways, not just digitally, then I guess that might actually put at ease some people's, um, I guess, I guess their anxiety around whether or not they're getting all the information that they need in order to do their job. Yeah, so again, this comes back to organisations taking responsibility for education and training around the use of digital devices, uh, enabling them with the right tools to be able to manage those devices effectively, and then encouraging self-management and responsible use of devices by your staff and employees. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Well, Trinette and Vanessa, we have covered so much today. We've had a lot of useful discussion what are a few takeouts that our listeners can take away from this podcast and what are some strategies to help them manage digital burnout in their own workplaces? Trinette, I'll start with you. As I said before, I think we need to be able to have a twofold approach. So from a business perspective, we need to look at our cultures. So internally, we need to look at the way in which our values and behaviours are clearly um, leading where we want our workers to go. So we need to make sure that people are focused on being mindful and in the present moment. So that's what we should be really encouraging them to do. So we can do that through workshops and training. But we also need to engage our workforce in any technological changes that are, that actually have an impact on them. So if we are introducing new technology like the Industry 4.0, artificial intelligence and all of those things, then we need to get them involved right up front so then we can think strategically about that digital technology. Um, and then I think mindfulness is a great thing. Uh, we need to create a culture of being present and in the moment. So from an individual perspective, we can start thinking about what we're intentionally going to focus on um, and use those mindfulness and meditation practices to help centre us and, and to be able to focus on that. So there's a mixture of both business and individual things that we can do. And Vanessa? I think it's really important that from a self-leadership perspective that we build in reflection time into each day to analyse where are you having the most impact? Um, what are the problems that you can solve? How can you be at your peak performance for longer periods of time? I would say prioritise first based on your desired outcomes. So stop doing the stuff that doesn't map to the strategic priorities that that's going to give you the best outcomes. Number three would be brain breaks. I encourage, you know, the science shows around 90 minutes, but I like to think of it a little bit more flexible than that. So once you finish a project or a particular task, then to actually walk away, get extra oxygen into your brain and hydrate because your brain takes 20% of all your oxygen and all your water. I would also recommend as chunk your time based on that cognitive ability throughout the day. So look at where you do your peak performance. Is it morning? Is it afternoon? Is it evening? Is it a combination? And protect that time and communicate that this is where you're doing your deep thinking. And a key tip that's making a huge difference in a lot of my clients' organisations is doing a distraction audit. So Again, from a self-leadership perspective, look at what's fighting for your attention. 
compared to what's most important and valuable to you. Excellent. Well, Trinette and Vanessa, thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed our discussion. For our listeners, if you do have any feedback or questions or you would like any more information on what we've discussed today, or if you'd like to learn how Vanessa or Trinette could help you more, then please do email us at info at aigroup.com.au.